Welcome to Feeling It, a podcast where we discuss TV, movies, pop culture, and whether or not we are feeling it. If this is your first time joining us, welcome to the show. And here we go. Come on, walk and talk. Alright, here we go. You guys want to hear something neat? It's showtime! Hold your ears, folks. Here we go! See what you can do now. Take your position. Alright, ladies, buckle up. Let's do this. Hold on to your butts. Seriously? Listen to me very, very carefully. Hey, it's me again. Eat him up. Enjoy it. Hello and welcome. Today, we're finally doing it. We're talking about everything, everywhere, all at once. But before we get into that, let's introduce ourselves and answer the question, what actor should get a movie where they can showcase everything that they're capable of? I am Sandra Onstutz. I'm in Nashville, Tennessee. And I wish I came up with this answer to your question pretty last minute. And I wish I would have come up with like the perfect underrated actor, you know, but I'm just (laughs) going to go with what immediately popped into my mind. And that is Dylan O'Brien. He's someone Mm. that both you and I have talked about how we like really like him as a performer. I don't think he's gotten the right movie to show off all that he can do. I think he's been in a lot of bad movies, unfortunately. I agree with that. Yeah. And he's someone who I think can do quite a bit comedically, dramatically, romantically, action star wise. I think he has such a widespread amount uh, of talent. So... Yeah, I think that I would love to have something that shows just how good he is. I think that's a great, a great ask, a great ask, a great (laughs) answer. I think that's a great answer. Um, Mine is in a similar vein. I'm Lucas Wright from Chicago. And uh, the actor who I feel like hasn't got the uh, chance to show everything that they're capable of is Charlie Hunnam. Um, I feel like he is someone who has been in a bunch of trash (laughs) um, and hasn't really gotten to show what he's capable of. I think he is a hilarious actor. He's done a couple roles that um, where he's gotten to show a little bit of comedy. And I think he's very, very good. He's a really great action actor. um, And I think he's got the dramatic chops and the comedic chops. And somebody just needs to put him in a role where he really gets to shine. I'm trying to think of the last thing I saw him in. Was it that Ben Affleck movie? Oh, probably the Triple Frontier. Yes. Was was he in that? He was in that. Okay. He was good in that from what I remember. Yeah. Um, I feel like he's good in everything. He's just in stuff that like he doesn't, he feels kind of bland, but it's his character, not him, you know, him himself. So we'll see someday (laughs) we need, we need more opportunities for the Dylan O'Brien. I know these these poor white movies and white male movie stars have had it so rough. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, anyway, before we talk about Michelle Yeoh and the amazing work that she's doing in Everything Everywhere All at Once, um, every week we'd like to talk about something we've either discovered or rediscovered. So, Sandra, tell us what you're feeling this week. Okay, so this week I'm bringing something a little bit different to the table, and I'm bringing a cookbook that I am obsessed with. Whoa, look at you. Yeah, so for anyone who knows me in my personal life, they know that I love to cook and bake and host. It's probably my favorite thing to do in the world. I feel like probably, you know, a couple years ago, one of my picks for feeling it was um, the Bon Appetit the YouTube channel, um, mm-hmm. particularly videos <laughs> that went well. <laughs> sure. Sure. Um, <laughs> particularly the videos from one of their creators, whose name is Claire Saffitz. She was probably their most popular creator and, and chef. And she had a series, um, called gourmet makes where she would take, um, like packaged treats and popular foods and 
create them from scratch and make a gourmet version. So like a gourmet version of a Snickers bar or an Oreo or um, Pocky. And they were really, really fun to watch. And she's a very dynamic personality. Um, And so she, after she left Bon Appetit, she came out with her first cookbook, which is called Dessert Person. And of course, I ordered it right away as a big fan of hers. And I expected it to be very good because she has this level of excellence in all of her videos that I really admire. But I wasn't prepared for this cookbook to be the best cookbook I've ever read um, and and used. Yeah, I'm this book is my new Bible and cooking and and baking. It's the perfect cookbook, in my opinion, Um, specifically for baking. It's called Dessert Person because the majority of it is desserts. Um, but I want to talk really quickly about some of the things that make it so good. So one of the things I love about Claire Saffitz is her like attention to detail and planning. She's like the perfect archetype of a type A person. Um, and that is reflected in her cookbook. So any piece of information you could ever want or need when you're making one of her recipes is available. So for instance, every single recipe... Um, at the top of the page has the season in which it's best to cook this recipe, where those um, ingredients are going to be the freshest and the most available. It has the active time it takes to cook and the total time it takes to cook. Those are two different things that most yes. cookbooks <laughs> do not include. They um, Active is how much your time actively in the kitchen doing things. Total includes bake time and cool time um, or resting time. And so it's important to know, like, is this a recipe that I can whip up in 30 minutes and then let it bake for an hour? Or is this a recipe that I can, will take me an hour to make and then two days to rest <laughs> and then bake? And, like, that's really important when you're when you're planning out something to make. They she also gives every recipe like a difficult a difficulty rating from like one to five, so that if you are new to baking or if you're wanting something really impressive and challenging, you can like know that going into your recipe, um, as well as of course things like whether it's dairy free or vegetarian or um, all those important like nutritional um, information. She also has on every recipe. Um, a section at the bottom with filled with footnotes and the footnotes have things that you can do ahead, which that's so important to me when I'm planning like a big party with lots of different dishes to know like which things is it okay that I make ahead of time and store in the fridge or store wrapped at room temperature. Super important as well as like what ingredients can be swapped out for other things. A lot of these have very like specific specialty fruits or vegetables and it's or seasonal fruits and it's nice where she says like you can swap this for strawberries or you can if 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 you know this particular fruit is if figs are too hard to find most Mm -hmm. important one last thing from like the information standpoint that i really love is so nerdy and like data specific but it makes such a big difference at the beginning of her cookbook she has this thing called the recipe matrix and it's Um, This big graph. So most cookbooks have like a table of contents and hers does where you can just like look through all the names of the recipes and see what page they're they're on. Hers definitely has that. But in addition, this recipe matrix is this large graph where 
on one axis, she has the level of difficulty of the recipe. And on the other axis, she has the total time it takes to make. And then all of her recipes and their page numbers are displayed on this graph. So I love that. That's fantastic. It's incredible. So if you're like, I want to make a dessert, instead of just flipping through all the pages, you can open it up to this graph and see exactly like, I'm in the mood for something that I can whip up fast and will be easy. And you go right to the bottom. Or I'm in the mood for something that's easy, but I have plenty of time. Or, you know, the opposite. I want something that's impressive, but quick. Um, Mm -hmm. And you can like look through here. So so examples, um, a peach melba tart is a four on her difficulty rating, but it only takes an hour and a half to make. Um, Whereas um, chocolate chip cookies are a two on her recipe, on her difficulty, but they take over 12 hours, including rest time. So that's something if you have plenty of time, but not a lot of skill, chocolate chip cookies. There you go. Um, Her longest and most difficult recipe are spelt croissants, which are a five on the recipe matrix, (laughs) and they take over 12 hours to make. Spelt and croissants, both <laughs> like that together. Those two words uh, are terrifying. So. Yes. Um, her absolute easiest recipe that takes about five minutes um, is a honey almond syrup. So it's there's just like such a widespread, and I love that she thought of that and thinks to give you as much information as possible. Um, but the most important thing about this cookbook is that the recipes are so good. Um, I have liked everything I've made from them and I've made quite a bit. It's the first place I go to when I'm trying to come up with a dessert for a dinner party. Um, I want to list some of the things I've made here. Um, Probably my favorite thing that I've made is her goat cheese cheesecake. Um, I made that on my birthday because I loved it so much. It was amazing. Best cheesecake I've ever had. Um, I've made a a blackberry caramel tart. I've made, let's see, her chocolate chip cookies are one of the best chocolate chip cookie recipes I've ever tried. Um, Her carrot cake is incredible. Her, oh, one of the recipes that I've made over and over and over is her loaded cornbread skillet. She does have a section of recipes that are not desserts that are savory. And it's a cornbread filled with bacon and green onions and um, jalapeno and it's and and just full corn and it's so good you make it in a cast iron skillet it's incredible and i make it multiple times a year so all that to say i'm obsessed with dessert person and if you're wanting to get into baking or if you're an expert baker i think this is a perfect book to try out i think it's also a really great gift if you're Looking for um, a Mother's Day present, I think this would be a wonderful thing to give to someone. I got this for my mom for Christmas, and it has this beautiful cover. She has it displayed in her kitchen. So dessert person is what I'm feeling this week. That's fantastic. I'm definitely going to have to check that out. I think Claire Saffis is one of the um, the few people who has uh, updated my cookie recipe. I've been you know 
developing my cookie recipe for my chocolate chip cookie recipe for a very long time. And every once in a while, I'll see, you know, any, any chef who has a chocolate chip cookie recipe published, I will read it and see if there's anything that I want to tweak or add, adjust to mine. Um, her and Christina Tozzi, I think are, are two of the people who I've recently, I've just been like, Oh, let me try out some of the things, some of the techniques, some of the ingredients that they're using. Um, and, uh, yeah, Claire Savitz is truly amazing. What did you, what did you do from her recipe to yours? Like how did, what changes did you make? Milk, adding milk to a cookie recipe. Um, I think that's something that, I mean, butter is obviously in there, but adding milk surprisingly adds a ton. Mm-hmm. Um, not only just, you know, obviously the, the dairy flavor, but just the, the texture of the, the cookies themselves. Yeah. Um, it's huge. Absolutely huge. Also, if I'm remembering correctly, I think her chocolate chip cookie recipe has both milk and dark chocolate in it. Yes. And yes. I think that that's is- a game changer. For sure, for sure. I already had the dark chocolate going, but adding the milk um, definitely takes it up a notch. Yeah. Um, Lucas, I don't think we've ever talked about what things – I know that you watch Bake Off, but Mm -hmm. do you like baking and cooking? And if so, like what do you like to make? I am more of uh, a – a home cook than a baker. Yeah. Um, I, Rebecca, Rebecca's a really big baker. I am very, um, cookies are my thing that I'm just like, I'm going to perfect this. I'm going to continue to get that right. It's a great um, thing. It's a great thing to have in your arsenal. Like it is, it'll it last is. you your whole life. Like everyone loves cookies. Yep. Yep. Um, but for me more on the, on the, you know, savory side of, of cooking. Um, and so a lot of the chefs that I follow and stuff like that are, are more focused there, but I am always curious to see people's dessert recipes in general, just because one, I love dessert and I just think that's most of the desserts are things that you've heard of before. People mm-hmm. just take them in interesting directions, yeah. um, and, and do kind of unique techniques with them that like you hadn't heard of before or just really level up your dish. So I, I think it's really cool. Yeah. Truly so much of my life is focused around cooking and food right now. Um, <laughs> you know, I, trying to come up with what I'm feeling right now. All, all The only TV I'm watching is old episodes, old seasons of Top Chef, which it's, it's what I'm surrounding myself with. So um, are you watching current Top Chef that's happening as well? I am watching current Top okay. Chef. Yeah, oh, okay. of course. I'm obsessed. We want- uh, we might have to do a season finale. Uh, that would be fun. Special when that when that happens. Yeah. So yeah. Sure. Cool. Um, okay. So what are you feeling this week, Lugan? Um, we have talked about this before, but we, as far as TV goes, I I don't like to say that I'm feeling something until I've seen a full season of it, right. <laughs> and so to see if that actually like wrapped up and it was quality because I feel like a lot of TV shows like the episodes individually are good, and then you get to the end and you're like, as a whole, this didn't hold together. Um, I think that happens more with miniseries than with ongoing TV shows, but um, Severance on Apple... Oh, yeah, oh, go for it. Me. I was just going to say, I also think it happens more with dramas than it does with comedy. Yes, like, for sure. I'll I'll say I'm feeling a comedy halfway through the season. You know, that's... Yeah, yeah, yeah. for sure. I think, I think a lot of times with drama, the ending tells you if it's actually a good show or not. Right, right. <laughs> um, as, as far as the, the, like the first season arc or whatever. Um, but this week I am feeling Severance on Apple TV+. Plus. Um, this is the show who, which is um, starring Adam Scott and directed, for the most part, by Ben Stiller. Um, this show is very unique. Um, Adam Scott plays a guy named Mark who leads a team of kind of office workers in this very generic um, kind of office. Nobody really – there's not really an understanding or, or that it matters kind of what they're doing or anything like that. Um, 
But the important thing is their memories have been kind of surgically divided between work lives and personal life. Um, and so when, you know, when you get off work, that version of you, that person um, kind of turns off and your ho home person turns on. <laughs> um, so, so it's really as if two people are kind of sharing the same body. Um, but a new coworker joins and um, some of the mysteries about the company and about um, that process of severance um, start to start to unfold. But I think it's a great cast. I think somebody who I had never heard of before in this cast is Britt Brit Lauer, who um, is truly incredible. She's a fantastic actress, and um, she plays the the new office worker who's kind of just getting introduced to um, to severance and kind of what it means to you know to have that 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 kind of separation. And I think especially coming out of coming out of our two years in COVID, um, kind of that there has been a weird balance of work life. Mm. Uh, there has been a weird uh, non-separation, I think, of work-life balance. And so having this TV show that really digs into what does it actually mean? Um, what are people, um, you know, escaping by going to work? What are people escaping by going home? Um, and just kind of what is, you know, what does it mean to have a separate self that's actually um, kind of doing those things? And are, do you have different personalities? Do you have different goals? Those types of things. And I think it's really explored really well. I think the production design is amazing. It's very um, – it feels in the vein of like Mad Men but also Office Space but also um, kind of a, like a 2001 A Space Odyssey. Like it just – like the production design is, is absolutely beautiful. Um, I also think the the cast that's together there, besides Adam Scott and Brick, Britt Lauer, um, you've got Zach Cherry and amazingly John Turturro. Um, that's kind of the the main four, and then you have these kind of side characters like with Christopher Walken and Patricia Arquette, um, who are just fantastic. Overall, I I think this show is really really great. I think its season finale was one of the best episodes of television I've seen in many many years, and so I'm I'm very excited to see how season two goes on. Um, it sounds like they if. I feel confident that they're in like really good hands, that the creators of this are, are just really confident in the story they're telling and where they're going with it. And I, I really like that in a TV show. I have been meaning to start this. I've heard just nothing but excellent buzz about this show. And I think I've been waiting for it to end so that I can like kind of watch yeah. it all at once. Um, yeah. I do want to ask how much of the show – so I know that it's like people, their minds are separated between home and work. How much of it is work versus home? Like is it – majority of it takes place in the workplace or is it split pretty evenly i would say it is split pretty evenly maybe a little bit more in the workplace adam scott is the main character so he's really the one you see kind of going back and forth between okay. um the, the you know the two people so so yeah. like his home life you see more of than everybody else's okay. um but for the most for the most part i would say it's split pretty evenly but i think a lot of the the plot takes place around work. Yeah. And so you just, you mostly just see kind of like how that affects him, like who he is outside of work and kind of how that changes yeah. um, a lot of the ways that you perceive him and stuff like that. So it's very good. I, yeah, I really think you should, you would love it. Yeah. I'm excited to start it. Yeah. Good. All right. Are we ready to talk about everything everywhere all at once? Very much so. Everything Everywhere All at Once is the newest film directed by The Daniels, um, and this stars Michelle Yeoh as the owner of a laundromat who 
as part of doing her taxes, finds out that she is a key player in the multiverse. And as the fate of the world hangs in the balance, um, she struggles to figure out exactly what her place in it is um, with her and her family. I think this movie is one of the most insane movies that I've ever seen. And that's not a negative or positive judgment. It's just looking at the movie objectively as a whole. This movie is ambitious. <laughs> it is ridiculous. Um, and I cannot believe that anybody would ever try to pull off something like this. Um, this movie stars Michelle Yao. It stars Kihi Kwan. And it stars Stephanie Hsu. And with supporting Jamie Lee Curtis and James Hong, who both have fantastic roles in this movie. Sandra, I'd like to start with you. How do you feel about this movie? I was excited for this movie. Um, we both really liked um, da- the Daniels' previous film, um, Swiss Army Man, right? Was that, that's what yep. it was called? Yes. Um, a very weird movie that we were both pretty fond of. And so I was excited for that. The trailer was really exciting. Um, it had great buzz. After While watching this film, and then immediately once it was done... Um, I was convinced that this is a perfect movie. Um, it's one of those <laughs> movies that just like, I don't need, I want to see it multiple times, but I don't need to see it a second time to know that I think that this is a perfect movie. Um, it's one of the best, most exciting movies I've seen in years. Um, I am in awe of what this movie accomplishes and I, I just think it's quite a masterpiece. I I can't even begin to imagine how they did it um, with the budget that they had. And yeah. um, like you said, it's so ambitious, both technically, um, visually, but also just um, emotionally and story-wise. Like in every way it could be ambitious, it is. And it really fulfills everything that I think it's it's aiming for. I I have a lot to say about it, but mo- I mostly just want to say that there's a there's a small part of me that's worried about overhyping this movie or we kind of talked <laughs> offline before yes. I had seen this that like we're worried that this movie is getting overhyped and then after seeing it I'm just not concerned about it because I do think it's that good. I have a personal rule that I cannot call a movie a perfect movie until I've seen it more than once. Sure. So I will not be saying that it's a perfect movie, but I I did struggle with that rule here. Um, this can I, movie. Can I ask you a quick question yeah. about that? Yeah. Do you have an example of a movie that you would call a perfect movie? Um, a movie that I would call a perfect movie. I think Toy Story is a perfect movie. Okay. I think a lot of times for me, a perfect movie is difficult to judge because it's so tied up in how much I love it. Right. Um, cause I, and I love movies, you know, wholeheartedly that are not perfect movies, obviously. Sure. Oh, of course. Um, but I think saying that I love it wholeheartedly and it's a perfect movie is extremely difficult. I think I would say no country for old men when Harry met Sally, when Harry met Sally is one of mine, maybe Casablanca. Yeah. Notting Hill. I think those might be my only Interesting. perfect movies. Yeah. When Harry met and Toy Sa- Story, obviously. When yeah. Harry Met Sally is a perfect movie, in my opinion. I think The Social Network is a perfect movie. I think Pride and Prejudice 2005 is a perfect movie. There's there's a, there's some dramas that I'm missing that are that are not coming to mind. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, so I have a few that I, that I'm like I'm happy calling that a perfect movie. I don't have any complaints. There's nothing I would change. Um, yeah, and I think this movie will probably be up there for me yeah. 
once I see it again. Um, I think that I was so caught up in this movie that I felt like I had no way of actually judging it while I was watching it. Sure. And so I got out of it and I was like, I love this wholeheartedly. Um, I can't tell you if this is a perfect movie or not yet. Um, but I do think like I – I don't cry in a lot of movies, mm-hmm. but I bawled in this movie. Oh. I like I had my mask on and I was like wiping my eyes with my mask and I was just like trying to keep myself from waterboarding myself. It was <laughs> <laughs> it was insane. This movie is very, very good. And I think I'm excited to talk in spoilers, not only about like the plot of it, um, but also just like kind of the things that it gets into that you really don't expect from a movie like this. Right. Um, I do want to talk about the cast, though. I think I mean. Michelle Yeoh's always been amazing. I think her in this role specifically is some of the best acting I've ever seen. I think she can she can play anything, and here she actually gets the chance to. Um, and I think we don't often see her as a um, a weak or scared character, mm-hmm. and she gets to play that here. And I think a lot of times we see her as I mean as what she is as very powerful, very strong, very independent person. Um, and that's not exactly the character that she's playing here, which is um, truly, truly um, amazing to see. I think what makes this, and you might've been heading this way. Um, what makes this movie so special is that I think going into this movie, I thought that this was going to be a Michelle Yeoh vehicle, right? Where it was like, yeah. wow, yeah. how amazing she is in this role. And then what was surprising is how amazing all three of the main actors are and how mm-hmm. varied and impressive they all get to be. And it isn't just a Michelle Yeoh vehicle. That she is yeah. incredible and the the lead and the star of this movie. But that Stephanie Shu and, and that Ki'i Kwan get to really blow my socks off as mm-hmm. well. Um, that this movie has so much to share is what makes it truly remarkable Mm -hmm. yeah i kind of had i'm not even gonna say low expectation i had basically no expectations for kihi kwan and stephanie shu um in this movie because i you know i didn't know how much they were in it or kind of what their roles were but they are also incredible actors Um, surprise surprise um no their their roles in this from a character perspective and just from a absolutely bonkers costuming the way they shoot it these people look incredible they act incredible like everything is truly fantastic about the way that they are portrayed in here um i also think just the way it's shot because you're talking about a multiverse here you get different um um, they're shooting on different uh, camera formats they're shooting with different types of film um and so you get things that look very like 90s action movie and then you get things that look like um, a Wong Kar Wai film, and it's just beautiful. <laughs> it's truly breathtaking. Um, and so I, yeah, I, I, the cast in this is amazing. We haven't talked about Jamie Lee Curtis. I think her role in this is ridiculous. I think it's hilarious. I think she's hamming it up, and it's perfect. I think, I think her, the her portrayal of of her role in here is absolutely crazy. And just like kudos to someone with her amount of star power for yeah. saying yes to a project and a role like this um a hundred percent it's, it's <laughs> yeah. bizarre and she's going for it and she's so good she's so so mm-hmm. good i love that both she and all of our main characters get to do so much with their roles like i feel oftentimes when we talk yep. about like our greatest actors of all time we we generally talk about their dramatic work and the way that like 
they make us feel and their and how emotional they can like how, how they can portray emotions. Um, but this movie lets all of these actors do have all of those moments, but then they also get to be so funny, just hilariously funny, glamorous action stars. Um, just just a fun. This movie is meaningful, but more than anything, it is fun and it actually incredibly hard for movies to be both nowadays i think um and this one does it it take it gives and gives and gives so much yeah i think something that's that like really interested me about this movie is that i think in most movies most characters are pretty flat they're they're kind of one-dimensional characters which is fine because it's really your main characters that are really fleshed out three-dimensional characters and then everybody else just kind of does you know, does their job. I think this is a movie where there aren't, there are, there are no flat characters. Every character is fleshed out in a way that you understand them. Um, they're, <laughs> you, you really know what they want, what they need, what, where they're hurt. Every single character in this movie. It's incredible um, that you can do this in two hours. It's, how long is this film? Is it two hours? It is, yeah, two hours and 20 minutes. It also doesn't feel like two hours and 20 minutes. <laughs> this movie goes by so fast that really i I will say i loved it i wasn't it's not i don't have a complaint by for how long Mm -hmm. this movie is but it that i think you feel its length because especially because i don't know if this is too much of a spoiler but it is divided into sections yeah as those because you know that as the movie's starting that this movie is going to be divided into sections it makes that clear you know what sections haven't come yet and mm-hmm. I started to feel its length for that reason. But not a complaint, just yeah. a yeah. reality for me. Interesting. I'll, I'll have to see if that happens for me the second time. Um, no. I just, I didn't expect this movie to try for so much. I thought <laughs> that this movie was going to be fun, and it, it's incredible amounts of fun. But I didn't know that it was going to be so much more than that. Yeah, yeah I, I'm blown away by this. I, I um... I think it's a perfect movie to go in with like l- very little context. Mm-hmm. And so that's why I think both of us are like trying not to talk too much about the plot or or any yeah. things that happen in this movie. But I think what, what I'm comfortable saying is that it's a movie about a family and not just I think a lot of movies can be about parenthood or about a father-son relationship or a specific aspect of a family, right? And this one covers so many different aspects of what it is to be in a family. And that was really beautiful to me. Yeah, 100% agree. Um, there's so much I want to talk about in spoilers. Um, so yeah. if you haven't seen it, absolutely go see it. Wholehearted endorsement <laughs> from us. Yeah. Um, and please I've, don't listen I've to the never, spoiler section if you haven't seen it. I'm, I feel I've never felt like I want to get people to see a movie more than I got this one. Like yep. I want to run into the streets and tell people like, you gotta go see this movie. <laughs> I agree. It will be one of the weirdest movies you have ever seen and you will never see anything like this probably yeah. ever again. Yeah. Um, but I think it's, a, it's, I think it's fantastic. Okay. I'm ready for spoilers. When you Let's want. do it. Before we get started, does anyone want to get out? Are you paying attention? It's your last chance to walk away. Let me tell you what's going to happen. No. Crack and gas. Spoilers. Remember you wanted this how the hell did this movie get made how did I that agree. happen i, I have no idea need a For documentary t- about the making of this movie absolutely 
And for $25 million. That's they made this insane. movie for $25 million. That is it. It's almost like they committed a crime. Like, yeah. Like, <laughs> like, like, how could it be possible? Um, just from, like, even literally just from a costume perspective. Like, there's yeah. so much that yeah. makes it hard to make this movie, I think, camera-wise. I don't – I notice some camera stuff when I'm watching a movie, but that's not the thing that I get hooked on to. Like, some people really pay mm-hmm. attention to camera work. Um, that's never my thing. But costume and set-wise, there are so many and so many that have to line up. Mm-hmm. I don't know how they handled it all. But it's, they did it so masterfully. Yeah. I – it it really is insane. I from what I've heard, they worked on this script for like seven years um, before making this, and it sounds like they had everything like figured out and planned and knew exactly what they were doing, and yeah. yet also allowed everyone to figure it out for themselves. Like the costume department, the set design, everything. Everybody was just kind of adding to it, continually adding to it. One of the things that they talked about was because this is a multiverse, anything and everything is possible. So go for it. Whatever yeah. your piece of the puzzle is, absolutely go bonkers. Go for it. And so um, – and it turned, looks like everybody did. So yeah. um, <laughs> I, I do just want to say I think the costumes in this movie make – add so much to the story. Um, mm-hmm. And I love when a movie puts forth a lot of attention to the costuming, um, the, especially the costuming – of the joy, um, Jobu Tubaki, what is it? Jobu, Jobu Tubaki. That character's like constant shifting of costumes mm-hmm. was really, really fun. And I love that a villain got to change their look so often and mm-hmm. got to have like <laughs> colorful, like fun. It reminded me a lot of like Birds of Prey. Yeah. It just got to have fun with the look instead of just being in all black or, you know, something sinister and sleek right yeah um that was a a a joy you Mm -hmm. know pardon my pun yeah (laughs) um i i think that like part of that what you're talking about really gets set up well at the beginning with the laundromat um it is so colorful and yet so bland like you get to see right um again it's an old laundromat so there is tons of color there are clothes like all of that is there and yet it feels drab and as the movie goes on all of the clothes get more expressive and more insane really and you just really feel it building and and even when at the end when they go back to the laundromat again it's you know chinese new year everybody's in um in red like it's it's just the costuming truly tells this story on its own um which is just so fun to see i love it (laughs) yeah yeah um i would love to hear your thoughts on kihi kwan's character i I, are are you a fan of indiana jones and i've I've only ever seen the very first one okay he is a kid actor who's in that and in the Goonies. Um, and those were both movies that I watched a ton growing up. And I didn't – and he kind of took a break from acting for a long time and has worked in stunts, has worked in, you know, overseas and, um, you know, a lot of a lot of foreign films and is kind of – is back acting. And seeing him in this, I was blown away by his performance and by his character. One of the things that I – I wasn't worried about it, but I got a little worried at the beginning because a lot of times um, movies kind of portray 
um, Asian men as very, I'm trying to think of the right word for like it. Like, weak, um, effeminate. Yes. Yeah. yeah weak, effeminate. Like, that's like, like the negative stereotype that some movies can do. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I think he plays that very well, um, at the beginning of this movie, but I think it took a little while for me to realize, oh, it's not weak. It's not effeminate. What he's doing is actually a very, um, mm-hmm. he's just a kind person. And I think that gets mm-hmm. portrayed that way in a lot of movies, um, in a way that I think they intentionally kind of turn that on their head here, especially with me thinking this was Michelle, you know, Michelle Yeoh's movie at yeah. the beginning. I was like, oh, they're going to partner her with him. Um, and I think that really, like, I think they really leaned into that and, and, you know, and chose him for a reason and really, really lean into the kindness um, that he is really kind of putting out into the world, which is fantastic. I mean, he's so good in this. Like, (laughs) he's just so good to first see him as like the start of the film. I, I, I weak is like a word that I think would fit like what, the sh- you think that character's supposed to be at the beginning mm-hmm. of the movie, but also just kind of like sad, mostly just yeah, yeah, n- not able to communicate, sad, unhappy with his life, um, uh, scared in a lot of ways, um, and then to have that immediate jump to the alpha version, um, yeah. that is so like confident and impressive and and very like swoon worthy, you know, like when. Yeah. That character, you know, like the way um, Evelyn is the character that Michelle Yeoh's, Yeoh's that Michelle Yeoh plays. Um, whenever the alpha version of her husband would come back to see her, like get excited and then frustrated when he would leave, <laughs> was really like swoon worthy, right? Um, yeah, yeah. And then to also see the version that he played in which Evelyn was a movie star, and he's like. Yes very like fancy and suave looking like again very he looks so good (laughs) he looks amazing um and then but and then for it all to come back around to what i think is like the scene that made me the most emotional and there's a lot of scenes that made me emotional but i'm getting emotional just thinking about it but the scene where his character like has this breakdown in front of all the people that are attacking Mm -hmm. evelyn And he says, he's like, I don't understand what's happening, but for some reason, I have a feeling that it's all my fault. And he just kind of pleads for everyone to stop fighting and to, like, lead with kindness. Um, Was such a perfect encapsulation of that character. And, of course, like, that's the inciting incident that, like, shows evelyn's character like that that's mm-hmm. a sh- that that's a, his strength that she loves and that means so much and he's he was so good i <laughs> i, I love yeah. him in this movie yeah i think that's like truly one of the most like if, if everybody in this movie doesn't get nominated for oscars next year i'm gonna be so disappointed truly. but specifically specifically those two um i expect I expect that to carry over and it's, it's going to be a long year, but I expect those two specifically to carry through. I'm a little through. nervous that this movie came out so early in the year yeah. because it's like, it's so good. This should get as much Oscar buzz as any movie, but mm-hmm. I'm worried about it coming out this early in the year that that will fizzle. Um, we'll see. I, I normally would, but Coda came out in June um, last year. That's so. really true. And Get Out came out in like February. Yep. Yeah, so I'm really, I'm really hoping that this, this pulls through. Yeah. Um, 
I do want to talk about Stephanie Hsu. I think she is so surprising in this movie. Um, I think her, her, you know, obviously her, her character is very, I think a unique character that we haven't seen in a lot of movies, but her both playing the daughter and playing, naughty i wouldn't even call it the villain anymore you know <laughs> like right, right. just like the antagonist of this movie um for sure um all the best looks i think for sure definitely best costumes um but also some of the the saddest and most like heart-wrenching conversations are between her and her mom and i think it's she plays those so she's so frustrated and so angry and yet also sad. And uh, at no point do you think she, you know, hates her family. And I think that's something that um, can easily be portrayed here. And I think they really lean into just the sadness of um, how she's feeling and the kind of helplessness. And that's, she's, she's so good. I want to see her in more. She's, she's the person I haven't seen in anything before. And so I, I really, really want to see her in more things. I'm looking at her IMDb right now because I do recognize her and I'm trying to think of what I've seen her in before. She was in Shang-Chi, but I don't really remember what character she was. Oh yeah. She was the friend who's at the very beginning and the very end. Okay. Um, that's that's, right. That's interesting. Um, her character feels like a character you've seen before in a movie, right? Um, like the disgruntled daughter that is has a complicated relationship with her mother, um, who's queer, who um, is frustrated. And then the heel turn and the like true, I think, star making scene where she has that opening action sequence with all mm-hmm. of the guards. Again, that reminded me a lot of Birds of Prey visually. Um, was spectacular it was that was i think the most fun part of the movie for me was just to see her have fun with that scene to be like mischievous and flirty and a little sadistic all at the same time was so cool she was so cool like yeah (laughs) yeah. and then of course like her character uh, here, I, I'm I'm holding off us discussing the rock scene because yeah that I think is one of the most that's when the movie turns in like really good to great to perfect is in yeah. that sequence. Um, but the fact I think for me that rock scene wouldn't have worked if that actress hadn't been giving us so much leading up to that scene. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, because the rock scene you get nothing like it's. Right. silence it's two rocks and it's text on screen right. so you are inferring all of the character from everything you've seen before this exactly <laughs> and and it, you you're absolutely right it would not have worked if she was not so dynamic right. before yeah Ugh. and the fact that she you know all three of these actors have to be good at um creating like distinct character like multiple distinct characters within mm-hmm. this their performances but i think for the her the most right because yeah. her feels like completely diff, different the from the daughter character to the Jobu Tabaki character um like whole separate people not just different versions of the same person mm-hmm. and she does it so well yeah I would I know we've been talking specifically about like the performances and stuff sure. but I would love to hear your thoughts on what you think this movie is about <laughs> well that's what's again so ambitious right like mm-hmm. 
like it's easy to look at this movie and see how visually ambitious it is, set design, choreography, like it it's doing so much, but story-wise, it is so ambitious. Like there were certain parts where I thought like, oh, ultimately this is a love story, a romantic love story, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's what the movie is going for. It's about the love between this husband and wife that has fallen off and is trying to be recaptured and ultimately is going to save everything. And it was about that. And then there's another part where you're like, oh, this is a mother-daughter story. This is about the complicated relationships of being a parent and being a child and loving each other fully and and accepting each other. And that's what's going to save the world. And then that does happen also. And it's also about like, Family trauma being a cycle Mm -hmm. between her and her father and her and her daughter. And just the fact that it's about all three and more of those things. Yeah. And, like, not one of those was the one thing that saved the world ultimately, right? Right. Or saved us all as humanity. It's that all of those combined. And it's cheesy, but it all breaks down to love saves us all, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. But there are (laughs) all these different kinds of love. There are these partner romantic love there's familial love there's the love that we share as a community there's the scene where she's just like mm-hmm. being helpful to all the people in that fight sequence yeah yeah and like that's like loving your neighbor oh it's there's so it's doing so much and it does it so elegantly it yeah it moves between making all of those points and being about that story from moment to moment not just like section to section you know i could really see a different version of this movie being like part one is about the romance part two yeah they are like you you can definitely see them being separate stories and they all tie together but are kind of each have their own arcs an easier way to make this movie yep yep (laughs) (laughs) and they didn't they didn't go for the easy route in any way that they could yeah i think like yeah when you talk about a perfect movie a lot of times like we do talk about like how could this movie be better here are ways that i would have connected with it better but in this one i can only think of things that's like it would have been so much easier to do it this way and you didn't and it's better for it (laughs) um what what about you what what stuff really stuck out to you about the storytelling and and that made you love this movie yeah i think i guess as, as soon as i got out of it um Rebecca asked me she was like so what's what is that movie about and I was just like it's about everything everywhere all at once is <laughs> yes. really like that that's what it's about yeah. <laughs> and um I I think for me the things that like really stuck out are those key like moments where you realize just another depth to these characters for me like the the idea that Joba Tapaki is searching the multiverses for an Evelyn that understands her mm-hmm. is so moving just from like a daughter perspective of just like thinking through like she is searching the entire universe to find a mother who will understand her yeah in the in the idea that like everything's chaos nothing truly matters and i need someone who understands how that that's how i feel about this and that that is something that evelyn is also tempted by it's not that she's fighting this constantly but it's the idea that like once she realizes that she's like yeah i mean i get it <laughs> you know like yeah like that's that's a draw for her as well um and just like i mean obviously there are many parallels to depression and all of that and everything but i just think it's done so beautifully that doesn't feel like um, a fable or you know uh, a morality story or anything like that it's just it's just it feels so true and honest every one of their 
you know, two convert the, just the two of them talking about, Mm -hmm. um, kind of that sadness is just so moving to me. I love that this movie gets to be existential without being Mm -hmm. too heady. Um, and I relate in the sense that I feel like I can vary wildly with being incredibly cynical and incredibly like positive. Um, (laughs) I, I tend to probably like internally lean to be very cynical, um, and externally lean to be very positive. And I love that this movie really kind of embraces both of those like Mm -hmm. viewpoints when it get when that mo- when the movie leaned into the cynicism of yeah. our existence was when i felt so seen and and i love that this movie's message seems to be that like that cynicism makes so much sense and yet there's still reasons to fight against it, it mm-hmm. i love that it gets to be about relationships and also just about like what is it like to feel like a, an individual that's lost in this world? Um, yeah. Apart from your relationships. Oh, yeah. It's, it's so yeah. good. It's doing so much. I know. I think the, the, the piece that like really pushed it over the top for me and probably when I started bawling um, was Evelyn, not even reconcil- reconciling, but like dealing with the hurt from her father. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's just a small scene on those stairs at the be- you know, in the in the middle of this fight, really. But her realizing there's no way to talk about it in the way that the movie describes it without it seeming trite and you know, sure, a, a path that's been trod a hundred times. But the idea of like the pain, the generational pain of not living up to the expectations of your parents doesn't have to be passed down, mm-hmm. and that kind of how she embraces that and embraces and still loves. And it's not cutting off, you know, her family. It's not saying Mm -hmm. I'm my own person. I will not, you know, be a part of this. It's, I still love you and can do better than you. (laughs) Like in a way that's just, just beautiful. And I did not expect from this movie. So, um, I would love for us to take some time to talk about what I think also makes this movie stand out is how much it embraces um, silliness and comedy. Yes. <laughs> like movies that are this ambitious and this meaningful usually do not embrace absurdity in this way. Mm-hmm. And the yeah. fact that it uses absurdity and comedy hand in hand with all of this, like really important existential conversation is so beautiful to me. Um, yeah, which I think they have, like, I think that's the thing that they're so good at. I think that was very good about Swiss army man. Just the idea that like, they're going to use this ridiculous situation and like this kind of awful premise to explore, you know, friendship and understanding and knowing yourself and like all of those things. Mm -hmm. And I just think this is just the same thing, just cranked to 11. Here's the other thing that I think is really impressive is that. There are lots of filmmakers, artists that try to be super silly in their work. And sometimes it can be very cloying. I think having a balance of of silliness is incredibly tricky. It's not like, you know, a lot of uh, people will say like comedy is harder than drama to make. Mm -hmm. And I think this type of comedy is very hard to make. (laughs) 
Um, <laughs> this movie is, you know, we've talked about movies that are bonkers before, like what movie mm-hmm. fall into the bonkers category. This movie is bonkers, but there are plenty of movies that try to be bonkers and you're annoyed by that aspect. Yeah. Like you feel them trying too hard. Like what's the weirdest, silly, craziest thing we could do? And this movie does it with the perfect amount of balance. The fact that they can have the hot dog hands sequence. Mm-hmm. And yep. at, the, at very first, like the people in my theater really reacted strongly to the hot dog hands as like a being yeah. something completely ridiculous. I mean, the hot dog hands in the trailer is the reason Rebecca did not see this movie with me. <laughs> And then the, by the end of the movie, the hot oh dog my. hand scenes are so beautiful and touching. <laughs> are you kidding me? <laughs> it's so true. They they use everything. It's yeah. like it, it reminds me of um, you know those survivalist people. I'm the only one who probably thinks of this. Those survivalist people who are like, I killed a deer and I'm going to use every single piece of it to right. make it useful. Um, or I'm going to cut down a tree and use every single piece of it to build my house, whatever. Um, it's like that with comedy. It's like yeah. every single piece of thing that we're going to put in this movie, we're going to use at least twice. We're going to reuse in ways that matter and in ways that are funny. Yes. And that's hard to do and not necessary. You know, like – you don't have to do that to make this movie. And I honestly don't think you have to do that to make this movie good. I think totally. you you have to do it to make it what it is. <laughs> right. You know, and like, speak, I, I just want to touch back on the hot dog hand scene really quickly. Yeah. Is yeah. that the Jamie Lee Curtis character, again, at the beginning, there's so many things mm-hmm. in this movie that at the beginning you think they're one thing. And by the end, I'm so impressed with how multifaceted they ended up being. Yep. But at the beginning, she seems to be a caricature of an evil character right like yeah yeah like rude and vicious and then we see that one scene where she's like violent and and evelyn's so scared of her right and she feels like almost like an alien like this is like an Mm -hmm. alien from another planet that is just pure like evil and vicious yeah and that they had that hot dog scene and turned her in this to this sympathetic love interest was so smart and just just makes you have empathy and love for that character. Yeah, it was great. And I want to go back also to the silliness that they have. Um, the the raccoon was genius. Oh, so good. So, so good. Um, the, the, the scene, I mean, this movie goes between, like, I think some classic comedy, like the scene where Evelyn's explaining raccoonie and yeah like that's just funny it's funny (laughs) that like this mom thinks that ratatouille is about a raccoon and (laughs) and like that her explaining it is very funny um and then you take that and then you take it from classic comedy to absurd comedy to (laughs) see the raccoon we the raccoon becomes like this important emotional relationship that you're rooting for um yeah, and so that was, I think, a perfect element. Um, I think that one of the thing, the jokes that got the biggest laugh in my theater, that, again, it's just, like, classic good joke writing, was when um, the the husband character – what's the husband character's name again? Wayman. When, uh, Wayman, yeah. When, Wayman, when Alpha Wayman says to Evelyn, um, he's like, well, you can either – lie down or you can get up and help me save the world or whatever. And she goes, I'm lying down. And she immediately yeah. <laughs> lies down. 
got a huge laugh in my theater. And like, <laughs> that's a classic joke, but it was perfectly executed. Yeah. Um, and the movie's full of that. Um, mm-hmm. Another bit of comedy that I think was perfectly played was the scene where the guards were fighting to stick stuff up their butt. <laughs> yeah. The butt the butt plug scene is hilarious. It's but it's also like the fact that you see it earlier when she, when Jamie right? Lee Curtis is like bragging about her awards and everybody's like, haha, those look like butt plugs. Yes. And then that's what they are later. Yes. <laughs> it's perfect. It, it's great that they yeah, that they um build it up at the beginning and then like you get the payoff. And like it's just funny. Like stuff going like People, like, racing to get something into their butt is funny. But then also, I do think it was perfect that they blurred it out. Because, in my opinion, if you don't blur it out, one, then you have to deal with ratings issues with this movie. And that's, like, a whole other, like, business side, right? But I do think it would be a little too much. I think it would have taken me out of the movie if I saw, like... (laughs) <laughs> bear assholes and penises, right? Like, uh, also, is... it, it keeps it absurdist. Exactly. Like, you're not thinking about the reality of any right. of this while right. this is happening. You're, you're getting to have fun with it and laugh yeah. and not be too like grimaced and grossed out, right? Yeah. <laughs> in, but instead, but a version where they do let you grimace was the paper cutting scene. Yes, that was awful. <laughs> I, I love that. Like, I got to be truly like. A wincing, and that's the perfect place. To, that's the perfect level of wincing that I want, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not exactly. too extreme, but it's visceral, and we all got to like feel it. Yeah, uh, yeah. So, like again, I'm so impressed with their the way that they chose to balance everything. Like, mm-hmm. I think a less less skilled filmmakers would have flipped it they would have rushed through the paper cutting scene and they would have shown actual stuff going into assholes and <laughs> the fact that these filmmakers were smart enough to not do those things is really really great yeah yeah um i do have like the tiniest nitpick and i mean and this is okay so it's not a perfect film <laughs> no i know but like it's so tiny that this like doesn't even count really as a criticism go for it there was only one scene in which I was slightly confused by the mechanics of everything. Um, and that was when the scene, it was basically where Evelyn was fighting some of the guards alone. Okay. And like the one at the beginning, not at the end, but, mm-hmm. and she has on the headset and she's like drawing in these new powers. And this is also when her husband and father, her husband and daughter are watching her do all of this. Right. Yeah. So she's like drawing on these new powers. And every time she does that, she does like a goofy thing, right? She does. Mm -hmm. And her husband and daughter realize like, Oh, she does a goofy thing. That's when she gets new powers. Earlier in the movie, there was a whole backup computer team, like telling you via earpiece yeah. If you cut do the paper cut thing, then you'll get these powers. But my understanding was in that sequence, the backup team was not helping her anymore. Yeah, I think. And so, like, how I, how did she know if I do this, I'll get this power? I agree with you. I think that I think that got explained in the because she's the worst Evelyn. <laughs> yeah, is because everything splintered from her 
Uh, right. I mean, like every good thing splintered from her. So any random thing she does is gonna give her a better universe. Okay. <laughs> and I think I, I think th- that's how I read that. And it it just so happened that every random thing she did gave her powers that were useful in that situation. But like, <laughs> right? Um, which I I agree with the nitpick. I'm curious on the second sure. uh, viewing if that will make yeah. sense at all but I, yeah i kind of rationalized it as like she's hit some higher plane where she doesn't need the yeah. team right i just don't she think can figure that it out on her own yeah explicit like that yeah. she can she's figured out how to access these without a team guiding her you mm-hmm. know yeah. um yeah it was uh, there was also a confusing moment where it seemed like she was at a loss and her daughter like suggests a weird thing to do that. Yeah. That I do remember that thinking like, that's not how this works. Is it? Exactly, right. It was like, <laughs> how, that would just give something completely random that she wouldn't be useful. Like, you know? Yeah. 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 What again, it's so minor that like, who, <laughs> who cares if that's my only complaint? I'm, right. Yeah. Oh, yep. this movie, this movie I know. is, I know. So special. I can't imagine it being anything other than it is. Right. But there are some things that changed about this movie that I'm very happy about, and I would love to hear your thoughts on it. Um, during pre-production, it was actually considered for Jackie Chan to to play the lead role, and this mm-hmm. would be about him, not not about a mom. Yeah. Um, and so, but it was they, they ended up switching it, and I think I think it's such a smart move to switch it. I think like Jackie Chan's great. Jackie Chan could have done this. He's fantastic. But I think we also expect stuff like this from him. Right. I mean, obviously not this movie, but you know, this kind of, he can do both. Um, We expect that from Jackie Chan. Yeah. And it feels, it feels completely different from an emotional payoff perspective at the end. Sure. I think here's the thing that here's my shame is that, I I know Michelle Yeoh, especially after, like, Crazy Rich Asians. That's what I, like, mm-hmm. you know, I feel like I've, like, learned her name from. And I, I am looking at her IMDb, and I see that she's been in, like, lots of huge movies throughout her career. Like, she's obviously a huge yeah. actress. But mm-hmm. she does not have the same name recognition as Jackie Chan. Like Right, right. And so I think if you're a standard moviegoer that, like, might not know who Michelle Yeoh is, but definitely knows the name Jackie Chan. You go in there with an expectation of like what he can do physically yep. that gets up ended in this movie. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I agree. So yeah, I definitely think it's better, but I think it would have worked. It could have worked. You know what I mean? Like yeah. the story, yep. I don't think Michelle Yeoh being a woman makes this movie any better than if it had been a male character you know what i mean i think i think focusing it on on a female character is to to me is more interesting i think because you get to build the family out around that and again a lot of like the typical stereotypes around um around asian men around asian Mm -hmm. women you you really just get to lean into all of those more this way mm. whereas whereas if it's like of course jackie chan saves the universe makes a lot of sense <laughs> like, sure yes it, no, i i, I think it becomes more like chosen one situation if it's jackie right. chan or right. any m- man in that role yeah and as soon as i said that i did start to think like there is something about i think there is something particularly female about feeling like, did I make all the right choices in my life? I do think that that's a universal feeling, but there's something about like the feminine version of that, of like, have I been given all the opportunities to fulfill my potential that 
that does ring specifically true to mm-hmm. like a, a female perspective. Defaulting to caring for others. Right. You know, like taking yeah. care of her dad and taking care of the laundromat and her daughter and right. her husband. Like all of that yeah. is. Losing yourself you know, in that work. It, like, yes. Yeah. 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 Um, the other casting change I want to talk about is originally Aquafina was cast mm-hmm. as um, as Joy and had to drop out due to scheduling conflicts mm-hmm. and was replaced with Stephanie Hsu. So yeah. I can't imagine – I cannot imagine Aquafina in this role. Right. <laughs> She's great. But I just think like Stephanie Hsu is perfect for this character in a way that I can't picture literally anybody else playing this. Yeah. I like Aquafina a lot as a performer, but I don't think she has the versatility that Stephanie Shu showed in this movie. Yeah. I, yeah. I feel like Aquafina is good at playing the character that she can play. And mm-hmm. I think she can do both like comedy and drama, you know what I yep. mean? But I've never seen her play someone that isn't like her Aquafina character. Like mm-hmm. Um, she can be more outrageous versions of her own character or more subdued versions of her own character. But I've never seen her play like completely off type. Yeah. 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 That's interesting. Yeah. That's really interesting. Um, you know, you were saying like, it's hard to imagine this movie as anything but what we got. That really made me think about how, and kind of what we talked about earlier, I can't imagine versions of this movie that took the easy way out. You know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. I can imagine the version of this movie that just focuses on the comedy um, or just the action or just the sci-fi element um, and not the family part, not the emotional core. I do like, I I could see those movies and I could see myself loving all of those movies. Like those movies Mm -hmm. being really well done and me being like, wow, that was a great (laughs) movie that we saw. But this version of the movie has me gobsmacked. I agree. I think, I mean, we've, I feel like we've said it a hundred times at this point, but this, this movie is so unique. Um, I, I feel like usually at this point in the year, there are movies that were like, this could probably end up on my top 10, you know, list. Yeah. This is the first movie in a long time that this early in the year, I've been like, this is a contender for number one, you know, immediately. Like, yeah, it's the one to (laughs) beat. I, I really love this. I am already planning on seeing it again uh, this week. So yeah, me too. I will definitely keep you in the loop on uh, <laughs> on how it plays a second time for me. So. Yeah, same. Um, before we leave, what movies you felt like – there was a lot – every time as I was watching it, I kept being reminded of other movies. Um, and I want to know what movies this movie reminded you of as you were watching it. Yeah, as I as I was watching it, there were parts of it that reminded me of like Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Mm. Um, I feel like there were a lot of just because of the the weirdness of that movie and the, the I think it's probably like the the random what is it probability drive that's in that movie where like things turn into different things and just like random stuff happens. Yeah, um, felt similar to this. Um, but I think as far as like influences, I think of some of uh, like like I said this earlier, some of like one car wise film like In the Mood for Love. The, the whole movie star universe is very reminiscent of, you know, of that movie, mm-hmm. um, which I think is really, really cool. I think some of the um, absurdist stuff 
the like like the hot dog's hands that universe reminded me a lot of like Miranda July's films which are a little quirky a little weird but also very like soft and you know yeah. and um and loving in that way i just felt like th- those were the ones that like really stuck out to me i'm sure more you know are are in there that i'll i'll see soon but yeah how about you when the movie first started especially the camera work at the beginning i couldn't help but think of scott pilgrim versus the world like Mm, yeah it was so fast everything was just like it kept moving so quickly there's a lot packed into that first like right section of the movie and again that also that the style of watching someone whose life seems mundane but visually is being treated like something intense and action-filled you know what i mean Yeah. yeah um so Scott Pilgrim was a big thing for me. I've mentioned Birds of Prey several times um, about mm-hmm. especially the Joy characters, like fight sequences and costuming. The, the comedy is reminding me of not so much movies, but like a lot of improv sketch teams or like YouTube sketch co- like comedy teams. Um, mm-hmm. I'm thinking yeah. of Britannic. Did you ever see the Britannic videos? I don't think so. No. They're really great. Um, they a lot of like their sense of humor. They have a, a video that they made when they were pretty young called um, "Eagles Are Turning People Into Horses." That style of humor feels exactly in line with this movie, uh, where it's like so silly and ridiculous, but it's in a way that's really working. the The rock scene reminded me of something that I can't put my finger on. Um, that's that's something I'm trying to figure out. Like, what does that remind me of? But uh, there's that was so one m- of the ones that reminded me of Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. There's mm, a scene. There's yeah. a scene in that movie with a whale and a I think a teapot or something like that. Okay. Um. That that feels similar. But. Yeah. Um. Also, uh, the you know visually something. Um. The the pinatas also remind felt yeah <laughs> reminded me of something. You know. Th- um, Jenny Slate, they're they're putting out a Marcel the Shell movie. Yes, um, yeah. That that they they just released a trailer for, and somehow that the, those feel connected, and not just because Jenny Slate is in this movie, <laughs> but like yeah, something about the style of those feels like it's in the same universe as these as some of these universes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or for instance, the, these characters, one of them would be a shell, you know, like mm-hmm, in the Marcel mm-hmm. the Shell universe. Definitely. <laughs> yeah, I can't wait to revisit this. Um, I I want to revisit it. I, there was a part of me that was like, maybe I'll do it again like today. I saw it yesterday. Maybe I was like, maybe I'll watch it again today. Oh, yeah. But I do think I need like a little bit of space before I, yeah. I jump back in. Definitely. Well, this is great. I'm very excited to... Yeah. Um, probably continue to talk about this for right. the rest of the year. Um, <laughs> um, and if I'm assuming if you're listening to this, you have seen it, would, would love to hear your thoughts on this wild, ridiculous movie. Um, please so please let us know, uh, Sandra, where can we find you on Twitter? You- on Twitter, everywhere. <laughs> where can we find you on the internet? You can find me everywhere on all social media platforms at Sandra Amstutz. My last name is spelled A M S T U T Z. Um, oh, I also pre- really quickly want to say I'm starting a Tom Hanks marathon with some friends, and I'm going to be documenting that on Letterboxd. So nice. that's the place to follow that. Nice. Um, you can find me everywhere at Lucas and Stuff. Um, I will not be doing any marathons recently, so that's <laughs> follow Sandro. <laughs> All right. We'll see you later. Bye. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye now. Goodbye. Go away. I'll see you soon, okay? That's it. 
go home? Yep. Moving along, Padre. Goodbye, old friend. That's it. That's our show for tonight, people. 